This is the Adam Crowley Show. To pick against the Steelers is a sin. It's a sin that's written in the Bible. Don't you understand? On ESPN Pittsburgh <laughs> and the iHeartRadio app. That feeling, we say that person reminds me of someone else. I mean, I kind of look like Leonardo DiCaprio. Tom kind of looks like Michael J. Fox. Like we've all got lookalikes. There are people that we're all reminded of. I was trying to think of. Who Barry Trotz reminded me of last night? And not physically, because obviously that's a slam dunk, Mr. Potato Head. But just with the way that he approaches his leadership, the way that he controls his team. And then I thought, does he control his team? No. And then it hit me. He's Marvin freaking Lewis. They're the same guy. One's lean and black, one's fat and white, but they're the same guy. Let me ask you this. Have you ever seen them both in the same place at the same time? I don't think so. Marvin Lewis employed Vontez Perfect, Adam Pacman Jones, and the list goes on and on and on of players who broke the law and yet still were allowed to hang around on his football team. And those players were good players. But they do bad things. Vontez Perfect is an animal. Same thing as Tom Wilson. He is an animal. They're not smart enough to have no direction. They're just not. Marvin Lewis gave them no direction. And then he did it one better. Marvin Lewis, oh, you silly guy, you Marvin, you dirty dog. He allowed for Pac-Man Jones to be elected captain. You sneaky guy. Tom Wilson. Not captain, but promoted to the first line with Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov. Here's the other thing. Yeah, here's where the similarity really starts to get made. They don't win a gosh darn thing. Neither of them. Marvin Lewis has not won a playoff game in a decade and a half in Cincinnati. Injuries have had something to do with that. So has having a bunch of jagoffs running around the football field. Guys never had success in the playoffs, never had success against the Steelers, never really had success. Not a bad football coach. He's better than what they had. Hmm. Sounds about right in Washington, too, doesn't it? Dale Hunter, ass. Bruce Boudreaux, ass. Barry Trotz, hey, he's better than ass. He's Mr. Potato Head. And he's never been out of the second round of the playoffs. Never had been with Nashville. Never has been with Washington. Now it could change if they win a couple of games, but here's betting it doesn't. Why? Marvin Lewis never beats the Steelers. So is Barry Trotz all of a sudden going to rise up and have his hockey team beat these Pittsburgh Penguins? I don't think so. It's the Caps' year. It's the Bengals' year. Watch it, guys. Dalton's going to lead us to the promised land. No, he's not. Watch us, guys. Braden Holpe's going to make all the key snops. No, he's not. 
There's a parallel there to be drawn. And I, the crown man, have drawn it. 412-922-2874. Tweet me, at underscore Adam Crowley. The funny thing about Trotz is that Nashville winds up going to the Stanley Cup after he leaves. They wind up being a better hockey franchise when he walks out the door. That means something, right? Let's see if the next Capitals coach, after this lame duck is gone, has more success than Barry this time around. Now, Marvin Lewis, we'll have to wait and see. But when Marvin leaves, I'd imagine that the Bengals, they'll drain the swamp. They'll get rid of all the bad character guys, and then let's see how they move forward. I get the sense that teammates love Tom Wilson. I know that teammates really like Vontez Perfect. But it just is a culture that then sinks in. And then every player on the roster starts to feel like they can get away with these things and they can take liberties. For example, you look at Matt Niskanen. Good dude. Solid guy. Always has the right things to say. And now he's the guy who has the right things to say, but he's also kneeing people. He's the guy who has all the right things to say, but he's judo-chopping Sidney Crosby in the side of the head. Brooks Orpik, good dude. Was a good dude here in Pittsburgh. Not afraid to lay a hit here and there. Not afraid. But now in Washington, he takes off the head of Olimata. Why? Because it seeps in. Barry Trotz cool with it. Marvin Lewis cool with it. The Bengals, in that playoff game, they're undisciplined. And when you allow one player, a key player, to be the guy who can be undisciplined, everyone else feels, oh, I can be undisciplined too. I can say whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I can play however I want. And it's why he hasn't made it out of the second round. It's why Marvin Lewis has never won a playoff game. Bam. Parallel drawn. Comparison made. Crowman, 1-0 today. Now about that depth score. It's not there. And now Zach Aston Reese, who I thought had a chance to pump in some depth scoring on the bottom six, he's out for the season. He's not going to play again. They're going to have to screw his mouth shut. They're going to have to wire it shut. That sounds like the worst thing that could possibly happen to you, by the way. I mean, there are are worse things, obviously. I mean, his head could have come clean off. Surprised it didn't. But I had a buddy in college. His name was Matt Hosworth. He works for West Virginia TV now. You might be familiar with his broadcast on Mountaineer Game Day. He went rock climbing, fell 30 feet on his face. Should have died. Should have died. Face was all effed up. He looked like Joe Rokicki. And what they do, they had to screw his mouth shut. And then he had pain pills, and if you throw up on the pain pills, their mouth screwed tight. He had to come in with the screwdrivers and remove it. He lost like 30 pounds. With like real screws. Oh, my God. They like, did, yeah, you're screwed together. You're wired together. It's awful. Ugh. It's terrible. Sidney Crosby, when he broke his jaw, it was a little bit different. They were feeding him with a straw. He lost like 20 pounds in a couple weeks. Because you're just eating milkshakes and gravy and 
God knows what else, but that's it. Hey, what diet are you on? Well, I'm on the Wilson diet. Right. Doing well. 20. Yeah, it's a Tom Wilson diet here. Down 20. I got no head, and I'm only eating liquids. The Penguins, though, because of the Tom Wilson diet, do not have Zach Aston race, and that stinks for the fourth line. It does. So what I do, enough Carter Rowney. I don't need to see Carter Rowney in my hockey lineup ever again. Never again. Don't need to see that guy on my hockey team ever again. He's a good penalty killer. He tries hard. He tries to win faceoffs. I get it. Good dude. Fine. But he stinks. He stinks. If you have Kuhnhockle on a line with Rowney, uh, it's just going to get buried in possession numbers. They're not going to get a lot of shots on goal. It's going to be off. So I would, and I don't know what line he'd factor in on, but I would bring in, are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? You know who I'd dress? Daniel Sprong. That's right. Let me be the first guy to say it. You don't have depth scoring. That guy scores a bleep ton of goals. Play him. Play him. Maybe you put him alongside Malkin. Maybe you put him on the third line. Phil Kessel's not giving you anything. You need to have somebody score a damn goal other than Sidney Crosby, Jake the Great Gensel, or Patrick Hornquist. Somebody's got to score a damn goal. Somebody, anybody, score a goal. Maybe that guy's sprung. Maybe sprung is sprung. I think so. I think it's time. Give him to me. Give him to me. Phil Kessel was awful last night. I'm talking like worst I've ever seen him in a Penguins uniform. Awful. First shift, he flings one in the net from the sideboards, and I thought, okay, they talked to him. They need him to shoot the puck more. He's going to shoot the puck more. Great. This is a good sign. Rest of the night, nothing. At least when Phil Kessel didn't score goals before, you could count on him to be a significant playmaker. Maybe on the power play, he'll find the backdoor feed. He can get things going there. No, not even the case. Phil Kessel's hurt. And I'm not saying pull him out of the lineup, but I am saying he's got to be better. If you're healthy enough to play, if you want to be the tough guy and say, I should be in the lineup all the time, you've got to be able to produce on some level. I think it's affecting him mentally. And to draw another football analogy, Mike Mitchell tried really hard here at the Pittsburgh Steelers. That guy played his ass off, and he played his ass off hurt all the time. His first year, he was playing with groin issues. Last year, he was hurt all season long. And it comes to a point where you're so tough that you actually hurt the team. Phil Kessel did that at the end of the season. He was so tough, wanted to stay in the lineup to show the double middle fingers to everyone in Toronto that he could continue that streak that... He wound up not coming out of games whenever he needed to. And now he's so hurt because he never got that time to sit down. And I think it re-aggravated at the end of the Philly series. Sometimes you just got to do what's best for the team, and that's sit down. He's not going to do that now. One other thing I didn't like, at the end of the game, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I watched it like 14 times, I didn't see Jake Gensel on the ice when the Penguins had the goaltender pulled. I saw Phil Kessel on the ice instead. You got to put Gensel out there. Number one, he's the hot hand. Number two, he's actually going to provide some help on the walls. Kessel's not. 
No offense to Kessel, that's not his game. If Kessel's not scoring, it doesn't add much to the lineup. If Connor Sherry's not scoring, it doesn't add much to the lineup. And neither of them are scoring. Brian Rust has gone a while without a goal. Broussard needs to be better. The depth scoring's not been there. And that's why the only solution in terms of somebody you could flex in the lineup who can add to that is Daniel Sprung. <laughs> We'll get the thoughts of Brian Metzer about that coming up next. He, of course, from the Penguins Radio Network. At 540, I'll tell you the biggest reason for optimism if you're a Penguins fan. It's the Crowley Show. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is a man. Oh, my God. Einhorn is a man. Penguins Caps game four tomorrow. Pens down two to one. Last couple of years, the series has gone a little bit differently. Obviously, the Penguins are up three to one in both series. Now they'll be chasing it a little bit. I think they're going to give their best effort tomorrow, though. Joining me now to discuss from the Penguins Radio Network, he is Brian Metzer. What's up, Metz? Hey, how are you, my friend? Not much going on with the Penguins these days. I'm pissed off. <laughs> There's a lot hear- to like about last night's game. I completely agree, man. I mean, not, not the uh, ugliness aside. I mean, just generally speaking, I think the defense uh, that we've been looking at as having occasional mental brain farts uh, or as a little bit of a liability popped up. You saw a couple of weird breaks into the zone, and I think the Penguins were pretty much the, the recipients of a couple of, uh, of breaks because some pucks went through uh, Matt Murray. They could have found their way into the net. Now, that is to say the same thing happened on the other side a little bit because Holtby got a couple of those, but generally speaking... I don't know that we've seen, last night may have been as close to it as, as we've seen, but I don't know that we've seen a full 60-minute game from the Penguins in this series yet. No, absolutely not. And I'll say this, Brian, I think that, and we'll, we'll get to the nonsense later, or maybe not, because I've spent a lot of the time today talking about the nonsense. I think that the Penguins' defense has actually played well in their own zone. For the most part, Alexiak had a brutal turnover yesterday that led to a goal, but it's it's the pinching down uh, that they're just not doing at the calculated times. It's got to be 50-50. Yeah, at the very worst. And I think we're seeing the Pens go for some 60-40s, some 70-30s. Just not great decision-making from the back end. No, you're right about that. And and I'm all for defensemen jumping into the play. And I feel like whenever they have their best offensive game, it involves the blue liners getting heavily into that action, either by pinching a little bit or getting into rush plays. But you can't just do it every single time you get into into the offensive zone. And that's what they're guilty of at times, almost to a fault. Because all it takes then is one of those risky pinches where you maybe have Oli Mata or Chris Latang or somebody just try and go for a puck that's a loose puck, maybe above the face-off dot, but not up to the blue line. And the guy chips it by you, and they're off and running on a two-on-one the other way, sometimes a three-on-one or a three-on-two. And that's why I think Matt Murray's been under siege so much. It started to maybe make him look a little worse than he's been in this series because he's just had to face so many of those weird situations. And it all starts with those defensemen, if they would just make a little bit of a smarter play and pick their spots a little bit more often rather than doing it every time, I think it would serve them a lot better. And it would also catch the other team off guard a little bit. Now they're just expecting it, and that starts the whole vicious cycle in and of itself. Brian, I was not concerned about the Penguins' lack of depth scoring because I just assumed that it would always surface. 
Uh, I still am kind of leaning that way, but uh, I'm wondering when the hell that's going to happen because it needs to happen sooner rather than later. Well, yeah, you can't leave everything in the in the hands of Sid and Jake Gensel and, and Patrick Hornquist. I mean, that line goes out, and it seems like they generate at least an opportunity every time they're on the ice. Whereas, I guess it got a little better with Evgeny Malkin coming back in last night, even though that line is not going to be that dynamic offensively with Dominic Simone. But guys like Connor Sherry have to find a way to get themselves onto the score sheet. And Derek Broussard. I mean, he's big game brass, right? They gave up all these assets to acquire him. And I'm not saying he's not doing some other little things right, but you could have got a cheaper player to do little things right. You need him to come out and be a game-breaker, chip in offensively, score a big goal, make a huge play, or get a big assist. And I haven't really seen that from him in quite some time. In fact, in this series, I think he's been all but canceled out, and he got demoted to the fourth line. I know that you can shuffle those lines any way you want on paper, but by my uh, account and by my uh, opinion, I feel that he got put into a fourth-line role, and Riley Shane far outplayed him in this series. So you need all those guys to get on the board that I just mentioned. Yeah, I think Phil Kessel's just been dreadful. Uh, I thought yesterday when he shot the puck (laughs) on the first shift from the wall, I thought, okay, he's just going to throw everything at the net tonight. But it seems like everything he gets is one and done. That line seems like it's one and done. He's not fighting for pucks in the wall, and that's not something he's ever really been great at, but he's really noticeable right now in what he's not being able to do. And uh, I don't just think he's invisible. I think he's been a detriment. Yeah, you could make that case, and I'm you know, i not going to say you're wrong because he has not produced. I mean, this is a guy that, Everyone said, you know, wait till the playoffs. He's a second half or a second season performer. We saw it here in Pittsburgh. He's been outstanding for the Penguins over their past two Stanley Cup runs. And this year, I, I'm convinced, and you said this weeks and weeks ago, I'm convinced that he's playing hurt. I nailed it. And, well, and the thing that annoys me about it is, okay, I get it. You have this Iron Man streak that you want to maintain. That doesn't mean anything. You didn't get a Hulu commercial and all of this because of an Ironman streak. You got it because you won two Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins and you scored a lot of points and goals while doing so. So get yourself out of the lineup when you first got injured, when you had to leave that game, if that's when it happened, because I haven't heard any of this, but we've all heard and seen and have our own opinions on this. If he takes himself out of the lineup, the streak goes away, but you get yourself as close yes. to 100% as possible for the, for the postseason, and that's what this team needed from him. And I feel like he's playing at what, maybe 75%? He's not shooting the puck like you pointed to. He's not doing a lot of the Phil Kessel-like things. He's not flying down the wing like he typically does, and he's really just getting stuck on the boards in the power play. Aside from that beautiful play he made last night to feather a puck to Evgeny Malkin, he's been kind of absent himself, and I think it's due to the fact that he's got to be playing at less than full, full capacity, and that's a shame. Brian Metzer, Penguins Radio Network, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Let's talk a little bit about Matt Murray, because I thought you made a good point in the early portion of this segment. I... No, the numbers aren't good. He's got an 897 save percentage, something like that. He's getting left out to dry, though. He could have made that last save, should have made that last save last night. The Connolly breakaway, it was a breakaway. I'm never going to fault the goalie on a breakaway, but he saw it. He got his arm on it. He probably should have stopped that, too. What's going on with him, and do you think it is as much him as it is maybe the defense? Yeah, I, I think that he's, you know, he by his own admission made a comment that you know, he felt, everyone said he looked shaky last night, and he admitted that maybe he was a little bit shakier than he was in the first two games. And I think that really is that he's not sure what's going to happen in front of him. I mean, this, this team's defense it is what it is. It's not anywhere near where it was the past two seasons, even without Chris Letang last year. So generally speaking, I, I feel like he's been under siege. I know it's not a ton of 
you know, a ton of shots in terms of volume, but he's facing some pretty high-quality scoring opportunities, and that's maybe getting into his head a little bit. And him being so cerebral, I think he's going to be able to shake that off. But the bad thing is, like you said, that last goal, I, I hated that one because, first of all, it opened up the glove hand talk, even though he never even got his glove on it. He made a leg well, he should have caught it. He should have caught it. Well, what do you mean he should have caught it? He made the save. He just made it backwards. Yeah, and it kicked up in the air. And, you know, not many goalies would have been able to find a way to finagle a way to get their hand on it. But that goal I didn't like. I would love to have that one back. It obviously tied the game for them. I'm not going to beat him up for the one that Ovechkin scored either because that's off the post to himself. It's a huge break for the Caps, and you have a skilled player there to knock it in. But Matt Murray has not been his A self. And I know some people in this city would beat me up for saying that because there are opinions circulating, as I'm sure you've heard, that he's been phenomenal and he's given the Penguins a chance to win all these games. I think you could point to maybe one bad goal in each of the games so far, and uh, we'll leave it at that. But he's got to be better, and he would tell you the exact same thing, that he's got to give his team a better chance to win these hockey games. A lot of people are talking about how Ovechkin's having a good series, and he is. That dude could be having a monster series right now if he didn't miss the uh, the net in Game 1. Uh, I feel like this series, and let's talk about Ovechkin, but this series could be 3-0 in either direction, I feel like, at this point. Yeah, if you go back and look at all the missed opportunities and chances that were you know either off post or just wide of the net, and the one that you're pointing to in Game 1, still I'm shaking my head about, because Alex Ovechkin just does not miss that opportunity. Pass comes to him in his wheelhouse, he goes for his one-timer, he just blows it wide. And you can see by the fact that he just fell to his knees and looked to the heavens that he knew it. He knew that was a big moment. He needed to score that goal. And it was a difference in the game when you look at it, you know, in hindsight. So that happened. There was the one last night that early in the game, he had that deflection opportunity and somehow just, you know, bumps the puck up out of the, the goal area altogether. I don't even know how he did that. Yeah. That left him shaking his head again. You know he what, Brian? <laughs> you know what, Brian? That to me was more impressive than if he actually put that in the net. I mean, how, how the hell did that happen? I have no clue. It was like one of those awkward deflections that it, you couldn't do it again. You know what I mean? It just came in, perfect trajectory, perfect angle, off his stick and out of play, essentially. You know, it just went out of harm's way. And, um, that said, I mean, he could be having a monster series, like you said. And for me, Alex Ovechkin is very rarely the problem when the Caps don't win in the playoffs. The difference with this version is, they're getting support for him. Other guys are contributing. You're getting a big goal here and there from a guy, you know, like a Lars Zeller. Brett Conley is getting on the board. You're seeing the centers really play well right now. Nick Backstrom, I think, is having a very quiet but good series. He's been very sneaky good. He's picking up some offense. He had three assists last night. That's a guy that's giving them some, some really good productivity. And then down behind him, too. I mean, I feel like the other centers, they're not big names, but they're starting to do it for this team, and that's a big difference from past yes. versions of the Caps. They have the depth now, and the Penguins don't, and that's the biggest difference between now and the past two seasons in my mind. Yeah, I agree with all that 100%. Brian Metzer, Penguins Radio Network, joining us here uh, on the Crowley Show. Brian, Braden Holtby, I never thought he was a bad goalie. I never thought he played atrociously against the Penguins. My line was always, he just gives up one more goal than he should. Always just one more than he should. Well, he's not doing that now, and it's without a doubt an advantage for Washington in the goal at this point. Might it turn around? Sure, but he's playing about as well as I've remembered him playing. 
Yeah, you know what, and and good for him because, I mean, I know you don't want to say that in Pittsburgh. You can't root for the opposition, but that's a guy that lost his job. He had to fight to get it back from a guy that's been sitting, lying in wait for that job for quite some time, and then he sort of wilted on the big stage, and Holtby was sitting there waiting to ride in on his white horse. He won the series against the Blue Jackets, in my estimation, because they were the better team five-on-five, in my view. He made a ton of great saves, specifically in overtime in that series, and now he's doing it against the Penguins. I keep thinking that he's going to break down a little bit whenever you see them score a goal on him, like last night. I mean, they, and they're scoring quickly on him. You'll do, you know, look at a couple bang bang goals, and you think, okay, now's the time where Brayden Holtby's going to go all Brayden Holtby on us, and he just doesn't do it. He locks it back in. Clearly, did some work mentally in the off season. I'm guessing to really lock himself back in because you know how he is. He watches the water drop. Oh, he yeah. does all those little things that really just sort of center himself. And I think he's doing that better than we've ever seen. And more than anybody else on that roster. This would be a humongous moment in his career. If he could help the Capitals beat the Penguins and get them to the conference final for the first time in the Ovechkin era, this would just reset that guy's career and set him off and run it. If he loses again, I sort of feel like he might not be in Washington next season. Whoa, I love it. That's spitting fire, Mr. Brian Metzer. <laughs> hey, what do you think about Dumoulin last night? I thought he was so good in a response game for him, really. Uh, didn't shy away from anything. Uh, played, I thought, maybe one of his better games the playoffs, and I think he's been great all season long. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, he, he doesn't miss an assignment, and I think he does a good job of lifting up whoever he's on the ice with. If it's Tanger, if he's out there with one of the other defensemen shorthanded or something like that, I just feel like he is so like sneaky good. He makes every little play. He clears pucks when he should. He gets the rebounds. He just he's not the guy that's leaving Matt Murray out to dry. And if he looks to be doing that, it's usually because somebody else missed an assignment. I would say, you know, last night what probably was one of his better performances, and he was probably feeling good about it too because he wanted to come out and sort of jam it up the backsides of the Washington Capitals for what happened to him in the last game. Because when you look at the league and the analysts around, they were almost blaming him for getting injured, which Ugh. I hate. I always hate blaming the injured player for something he did when, it, when some lughead sort of takes him out of action. And Brian Dumoulin, huge bounce back, as you said. He's probably the most important piece on that blue line. And the case could be made that as the two players that were returning to the lineup in, in him and Evgeny Malkin last night, he was almost the bigger question mark because it would have caused more problems for that team if he wasn't able to play because there's no other defenseman on the roster that can come in and do what Brian Dumoulin does. Last couple of things for Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network. I thought Evgeny Malkin had a strong game. Uh, He, oh man, missed a couple of opportunities. He had a slap shot on the power play, which did not miss by much. He also hit the the post whenever I thought that uh, we saw Braden Holpe off his angle. I had an opportunity to capitalize there. The chances were there. He took the penalty. But how do you view his first game back from injury? I thought that um, he was good, I mean, for having missed time. I mean, he came in, he didn't show a ton of rust. He clearly wasn't at the top of his game yet. He's got to work back to it. But I loved, I loved his energy. I loved the way he was sort of a, a bull in the china shop out there. He was just, you know, sort of battling through stick checks and bodies and, and doing all those Geno things. And it looked like he was getting very close to breaking through. Loved the assist that he had on the Hornquist goal because that was him just going hard to the net, putting it on goal, and then the puck kicks into an area where Horny could bury it. So that was a nice play for me. And he came very close to scoring a goal, as you pointed to, with the post that he hit and then a couple of other good looks at that cage. So you're always going to have that penalty, unfortunately, with Evgeny Malk, and I feel like that's always going to happen. But I like the energy level, and I love having him back in the lineup because it allowed Sid 
I think, a ton more space because now Barry Trotz had to determine, am I going to put Kuznetsov against Sid or Nick Backstrom like he did in the last game? Right. And you saw Kuznetsov going up against Sid a lot last night, and I feel like that opened space for him. So having Zeno there, even if he doesn't get on the board as much as you want just yet, it opens that up and it creates another dynamic for the Caps to worry about. Here's my feel, Brian. I think the Penguins are going to put forth what is maybe their best effort of the playoffs so far tomorrow night. Uh, I think they're going to come out like they're shot out of a cannon. There's so many things that are motivating them, including, and most importantly, trailing in the series. Uh, Unfortunately, though, that does not guarantee anything. Uh, Do you get the same sense that the team is rallying around the circumstances and going to come out that way tomorrow? I do. I I feel like they are going to play, you know, like you just said, probably one of their best playoff games that we've seen this season yet. Uh, Hopefully it's a full 60-minute game or more if that's what it takes. The only thing I hate about this game is this is going to be very interesting because if they don't play that full 60-minute game, even if they come out like gangbusters, if they dip it all and allow the Caps to take a little bit of a lead or you have this game deteriorate into something that just is going to take one break one way or the other to win it, you could just as easily be down 3-1 going back to Washington, which is not a scenario that this team has been in in quite some time, nor do they want to be. So I, 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 I believe that they're going to come out with their best effort. They're going to have all guns blazing. The big guys hopefully will get involved. Maybe Phil Kessel finally breaks through with the big goal, but I think they need a full-team effort offensively and defensively to make that a reality. You can't be a one-line team that's trying to, to dig deep to find some secondary scoring if you want to beat the Capitals in that game because they smell blood in the water now. I think this is a spot they haven't been in in many mm-hmm. years where they feel like they are controlling this series, and they got a little bit of a swagger right now. I just pulled the old ESPN Tom Jackson where I go, mm-hmm, when I agree with the point. <laughs> I liked it. Liked yeah, it. I don't mind it. I always loved when he did it. I, I think I'm going to adopt it now moving forward on the radio show. Uh, Brian, always appreciate your time. You kick ass, dude. Uh, have fun tomorrow at the game, and we'll talk again soon, I hope. Sounds good, brother. Thanks for having me, as always. And uh, maybe when we reconvene, there'll be some more positivity to talk about with this Penguin squad, but thanks. Hey, I'm just happy we didn't talk about Tom Wilson the entire time. Lughead. There he goes, Brian Metzer, the Penguins Radio Network. Lughead. Great word. I just call him a jackass, and I call him a prick. Even though I don't think I'm allowed to say that on the radio. I don't care. You're good. That's what I'm always waiting for. I love that. I love when I say something, and I go, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. And Brian goes, you're good. Like cooch. You're good. Coming up next, the biggest reason, if you're a Penguins fan, that you should feel optimistic. It's a Crowley Show. The dollar is powerful at Taco Bell because it unlocks the dollar cravings menu filled with a selection of decadent menu items for just a dollar each, like the beefy Fritos burrito and shredded chicken mini quesadilla. But how can so much deliciousness only cost a dollar? Are the Bell Illuminati behind this? I'll give you a hint. Maybe. Experience the power of the dollar cravings menu at Taco Bell. At participating locations for a limited time, prices may vary. Tax extra. Dude, why is your hat sideways, Tom? It's a look. Dude, it's ridiculous. No, it's a look. No, you look foolish. No, trust me, it's coming back. A grown man should not wear his hat sideways. No, you're wrong. And Come you don't on. have the mustache. You're you're old, okay? You don't know what fashion is. No, it's no a, yeah. I was around when that fashion was around. It's, yeah, it's not here back. for a reason anymore. No, it's coming
Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. The easiest way to pick up Twitter followers in Pittsburgh is to pander. Unfortunately for me, I do it by accident. Because I'm one of y'all. I'm one of yins. I'm a Pittsburgher, man. Through and through. Well, Lebo, but you get what I'm saying. I care about the pens. I care about them stillers. Pirates are dead to me. But I got your back. And I got the team's back. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to be objective in the way that I cover the team. I think the Penguins are in more trouble now than people are willing to say. Stan said today he thinks the Penguins are going to win the series. Madden said today he thinks the Penguins are going to win the series. Mike Pursuta said not to panic. I'm more on Mike's side. I don't think there's a reason to panic for Penguins fans, but I do think you should be concerned. They haven't been down like this to a good team in a long time. Ottawa last year, conference final. Were they a good team? Were they? Were they? They were good, but at no point did I think they were going to lose that series. It's double overtime, and they're pumping shots on net, and I never thought, ah, they're going to lose this series. All I would have taken is one goal. I never thought they were going to lose the series. I think there's a legit possibility Pittsburgh loses this one. I do. I said it before the series that if Malkin doesn't play a couple of games, they're going to be in trouble. And Malkin missed two. He comes back. He was okay last night. Good, but not great. And they lose that one. Now they're down 2-1. to one. If they win tomorrow, okay, home ice still is in the Capitals' favor. So I don't feel great about it. But if I was looking for a reason for optimism, if I were a Penguins fan looking for a reason to say, okay, we're going to win this series, it has nothing to do with the history of Penguins' Capitals over the years, 9-1 to one this series record going in favor of Pittsburgh. Nothing like that. But I do look back over the last couple of playoff years for these Penguins, and Mike Sullivan is their ace in the hole. They'll have problems. They'll stub their toe. They'll be behind in a series or two. But Mike Sullivan always pulls their asses out of that dirt. He always gets their backs from off of against the wall, and he gets the Penguins on the attack. A couple of years ago, they were down three games to two to the Tampa Bay Lightning in the conference final, and they changed the way they played. They changed the way they played. They became a different hockey club. They changed all their X's and O's. Dan Bilesman never did that, never had a plan B, and they wound up winning the next two games and went on to win the Stanley Cup. Last year, the Penguins were not better than Washington. Washington was the better hockey club that was playing better hockey at the end of that series. Game 7 came around, and you always hold out hope. You always think, okay, maybe. Maybe they can pull it off. And Mike Sullivan altered the way that they played. Mike Sullivan loves the system that he runs, but they're not married to it. Dan Bilesman was married to his system. Stretch pass, grind these bitches down, we're going to play our style, it's how we're going to win hockey games. 
And it won a lot in the regular season. I think a lot of that had to do with talent. It won some in the postseason, including a Stanley Cup, but it did not win enough for management to keep him around, and it did not win enough for fans to be cool with it. Mike Sullivan's the opposite. Mike Sullivan says, eh, I'll do what it takes to win. He's not stubborn. He's not selfish. He's not going to do what he thinks works because it's his system. He's going to do the system that he thinks is going to work. And if you look at the good coaches around the National Football League, if you look at good coaches around the National Hockey League, they're the coaches that are not willing to say, eh, they're just going to beat us. Eh, they just have an answer. They're the coaches like Bill Belichick who say, I'll morph my defense to play you. Whatever you do well, I'll take it away. He did it against the Colts. He did it against the Giants. If you go back, or he did it, pardon me, with the Giants against the 49ers. If you go back to his coordinator days, it's about trying to change things up to do what you do well, but attack the opponent's weaknesses. And Mike Sullivan ain't afraid. Mike Sullivan is a hell of a lot closer to Bill Belichick, and I know that's high praise, than he is Dan Bilesma. As much as I think Mike Tomlin is a good coach, he's not a great coach in my opinion because he does not often enough do what the other team is not prepared for. You don't see it very often. A couple of times he did it, 2012 against the Patriots, he employed man defense, it effed them up. This year against the Patriots, they lost the game, but they gave themselves a puncher's chance by playing a lot of man coverage, and they hadn't really done it all year long. Those kind of change-ups, those kind of alterations, those kind of X's and O's looks that they were going to present that were different gave them a better chance to win. And Mike Sullivan always gives his team a better chance to win because he's not married to a system. He's got great talent, but so did Dan Bilesma. He's got great talent, but so did Mike Johnston. He's got great talent, but so did Michelle Terrian. He's won more with this talent because he is going to change things within the system that are going to specifically attack what the other team does not do well. And I imagine that tomorrow when the Penguins play the Capitals, while the Penguins feel like their best attribute on the back end is to push play, and to have defensemen chip in, they're probably going to play it a little closer to the vest. They've got enough offense to win without the total contribution of the decor. And Washington, for all their success they've had in this series, for all of Alex Ovechkin's success that he's had in this series, it's come off the rush, and it has not come with sustained pressure in the offensive zone. So what I think is going to happen is pinching, eh, not so much. Time to time, calculated, but nowhere near as much as it's been going on. And you should see the odd man breaks limited, and if the Penguins play it straight up without those defensive lapses, they're going to be okay. They've defended very well in the defensive zone. It's been their own offensive blue line where they've effed everything up. The other thing that I love about Mike Sullivan is that yesterday he said Zach Aston Reese's face exploded. Zach Aston Reese broke his jaw. Zach Aston Reese has a concussion. And because of that, I think the Department of Player Safety said, well, we got to look at this guy. If he comes out and he says, it's an upper body injury, we don't have any details, I don't think they give a rat's ass today. 
I don't think they're considering suspending Tom Wilson today if Mike Sullivan doesn't do what he did. And Mike Sullivan's been pushing it for a couple of games. He said it after game number two. Now after game three, he's complaining, but now he's complaining with facts. He's saying, yo, my player's done for the year because your guy busts heads. What's the league going to effing do about it? And now there's a hearing. Mike Sullivan knows exactly what he's doing when he's doing it at all times. Better than Bilesma, who won a Stanley Cup. Better than Terry, and who took him to one. Mike Sullivan knows what's coming out of his mouth. He knows how to get the best out of his athletes. And he knows how to change the way his team plays for the better when it doesn't seem like it's worth doing something you don't typically do. And if you're looking for optimism, that's the guy who should give it to you. Coming up next... Back to the Tom Wilson stuff. We've talked a lot of hockey hockey for the last hour and a half. How about we rip George Peros a new one? Hey, George, grow a Peros. It's the Crowley Show. Americans are always on the move. They're in the car or at the office or working around the house. Americans refuse to sit still. So how do you connect with all those moving targets? Easy with radio. Radio reaches 93% of Americans every week. More than Google, Facebook, and even television. Because, hey, it's time to sit around and watch TV. So when you want to connect with all those constantly moving adults, teens, and millennials, get to iHeartMedia.com and put AMFM Radio to work for your company. Would you shut up and stop doing that? This is what I'd sound like if I was a motorboat. Oh, my. Your mom knows this sound, Tom. I don't think you can motorboat on the radio. I think the FCC frowns upon motorboating on live radio. Please back away from my chest.